Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the incredible ways that you speak to us through the richness of your word down through the centuries, even in a context for which it never was written uh, initially. You speak to us through it and you apply uh, what you say to us and to our hearts and to our lives and we thank you for it. I pray, Father, that your spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do pray for our city. Uh, In the wake of the terrorist attack yesterday, we pray, Father God, that the police would find everybody who is responsible, who is culpable for that attack. We pray for comfort and encouragement for those who lost uh, family members, the five dead. Uh, Just uh, comfort and strengthen them, encourage them in this season. And also for those who are still suffering from their injuries, we pray, Lord, that you might bring healing to them uh, and lift them up uh, and restore them to perfect health. Uh, Lord, we do pray for your protection over uh, the entire London area. And we pray that the glory of Jesus might manifest itself and shine in in the midst of this time of tragedy. Uh, But now we go to your word, Lord, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I had healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind all day long. They multiply falsehood and violence. They make a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried to Egypt. The Lord has an indictment against Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. The Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return. Hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. 
a merchant in whose hands are false balances he loves to oppress. Ephraim has said, Ah, but I am rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors they cannot find in me iniquity or sin. I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. I spoke to the prophets. It was I who multiplied visions and through the prophets gave parables. If there is iniquity in Gilead, they shall surely come to nothing. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Their altars also are like stone heaps on the furrows of the field. Jacob fled to the land of Aram. There Israel served for a wife, and for a wife she guarded sheep. By a prophet the Lord brought Israel up from Egypt, and by a prophet he was guarded. Ephraim has given bitter provocation, so his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and will repay him for his disgraceful deeds. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. When you have a tragedy as happened yesterday with the, uh, the most recent terrorist attack here in London, uh, a lot of times people really struggle to make sense of it. And in fact, it doesn't make sense. It is a senseless act that simply takes a few lives and, and causes fear and distress and ends up losing your own life, but really ultimately accomplishes nothing. And you look at this and you scratch your head and you wonder why, you wonder how it can happen, uh, you wrestle with it, you struggle with it a bit, and invariably questions come to uh, about God and people start asking, okay, is this a sign of God's anger? Is this God pouring out his, his wrath on London? Is this God uh, dealing with us yeah, very strongly and according to, our, uh, according to our ways? Did God cause this man to drive his car in, into people and, uh, and stab a police officer and try to kill many others? Is God responsible for all of this? Maybe it's because of our sin. Maybe it's because God is speaking his judgment, his wrath against us. And many times you get people then you know, who will give you prophetic words and, and, and the words that they give, this, they sound just completely negative. It's all against this and against this and against this and, and often ends with something like, I'm going to smite thee and smash thee like a little bug cockroach under my uh, grand god-sized foot or something like that. And, and you think, you know, is this God? Does this really represent who God is and what God does? And then people will go to places like the Old Testament and they'll read uh, the prophets like Hosea, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, and they'll say, well, all this is harsh, it's condemnatory, it's negative, it's all about God bringing judgment, it's all about God bringing death. But the only way to come to that conclusion is actually by not reading the text in all of its fullness. Because even though in prophets like Hosea, God speaks some very strong things and some very strong words against his people, he makes it very clear that his heart is not like the heart of the terrorist. His heart is not a heart to mow down people. His heart is not a heart to bring death and destruction to people. His heart is a heart of mercy and grace. Notice what he says here. He says, how can I give you up? This is verse 8 in chapter 11. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? 
my heart recoils within me, my compassion grows warm and tender. You see, God, even in the midst of his anger, even in the midst of the discipline that he brings on his people, and sometimes it's a very hard discipline, but even in the midst of all of that, God shows that he is compassionate and tender. He says, verse 9, I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am a God and not a man. I am God, excuse me, and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. I will not come in wrath. It's a very powerful thing God says. And when we give prophetic words that are entirely negative, or when we try to blame situations like what happened here in Westminster on God and God's wrath, we're not portraying his heart. Yes, it is true that people will deal with the consequences of their sin. And we certainly see that. And yes, it is true that there are evil people in the world who will do evil deeds. And it might be convenient for us to say, you know, where is God in the midst of this evil? It doesn't seem like he was acting yesterday. It doesn't seem like he was there. But we, we cannot see the bigger picture. We cannot see it from God's perspective. We cannot know fully how God really was present yesterday. How many more lives would have been lost? And we know as Christians we have this confidence that even in the midst of great tragedy, that God is still God, that God is still in control, that God still has his sovereignty. He has not sacrificed his sovereignty. Evil will not win the day. Those acting in God's name to bring destruction and turmoil and fear and death, they will not have the victory because as we see in the cross, even though it looked like the, the cross was a total defeat for Jesus, it only paved the way for the resurrection on the third day. And as Christians, we look at this and we see tragedies like this and we have the confidence of the empty tomb even as we witness the devastation and horror of the cross and how it's manifested in so many ways. But the question comes, what do we do? What do we do in the face of these kinds of tragedies? What do we do in the face of what seems to be God's judgment, or at least seems to be God stepping away and saying, okay, you can experience the consequences of all your sin. What do we do in the midst of these kinds of issues where people around us who don't know Jesus, and some who do know Jesus, but many who don't know Jesus, will be struggling and asking questions and wondering what is going on and wondering, can there really be a God that's up there? Is there really a God of love? What do we do? Well, Hosea, in this passage, the Lord speaking through Hosea, he gives us some encouragement. Verse 6 of chapter 12. Now, he's, he's talking, leading up to this, he's talking about the example of Jacob. And Jacob was a man who struggled. Jacob was a man who wrestled. He had to work for seven years for his wife, and then he was deceived, and so he worked another seven years, 14 years, uh, for the woman of his dreams. He was the, the second born, yet was grabbing on the heel of his brother, deceived his brother out of his inheritance. 
and deceived his father into giving him the inheritance. He was a man who strove with God himself, who wrestled with God there at Bethel and met God. And in light of that example, in light of the reality of struggles and things, what do we do in the midst of all of this? There's the encouragement. So you, by the help of your God, return. We need to understand that we cannot navigate any of this without God's help. It causes us to go back time and time again to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Enable me to become more and more like Jesus. Give me gifts of the Holy Spirit through which I can minister to others. Give me wisdom and guidance and love to share with other people. It all comes by the help of our God. So you, by the help of your God, return. There's a constant need in our lives to go back to God because it's so easy for us to wander away. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the busyness of life. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our sin that time after time we just need to go back to God, return to God, return to God. Sometimes it feels like God has left us, but actually God never leaves us or forsakes us. But certainly we can walk away from God and walk out of the conscious sense of his, of his presence. And so we return to God by God's help. He draws us back and we return to God and return to God. But that's not it. That's not all. Then he says, hold fast to love and justice. When we see situations like happened in London yesterday or when we see many other tragedies happening in our lives or many other struggles that we face, many other difficult circumstances, we need to hold fast, the prophet says, to love. Now love is not some wishy-washy emotionalism. Love is a zealous, self-giving commitment to other people for their benefit. We give ourselves in love just like God gave himself to us in love. And it's a choice that we make, not something we feel like doing, but something we choose to do. To act in our lives for the good of other people. To act in our lives for their benefit, not just for our benefit. And so we need to hold fast to love. In these moments, it's not about pronouncing God's judgment It's not about walking away from the reality of the situation, but it's actually about holding on to love and understanding that that love ultimately is about obeying God. For this is love, John says in 1 John, that we obey God and keep his commandments. And so we demonstrate love to others and we demonstrate love for God as we do what God has told us to do. So we hold fast to love... And we hold fast to justice. Now, justice is not about retribution. You know, we call our system the criminal justice system, but it really isn't about justice. What we practice and what many nations practice is a form of punishment. But justice is not about punishment. Justice is about taking the wrong things and making them right. So as we hold fast to justice, it means looking at every situation to see what is wrong and say, how can I work to see this made right? In alignment with God's will, in alignment with God's word, because that's the ultimate definition of what justice is about, of what is actually right. 
And so we look at each situation and we say, how can I live? How can I act? How can I choose under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God upon my life to work in ways that promotes justice, putting the wrong things right? And so we hold fast to love and we hold fast to justice and we persevere in them. And then the third thing that God encourages us to do here by his help, to wait continually for our God. Now, waiting, in our minds, tends to be something that's rather passive. But you can only think of waiting as passive if you've never been to a bus stop on a busy London day. Because I've been to the bus stop. I've seen what happens. You know, those bus stops where they scroll down the times, And you have people there that are waiting for a bus. What are they doing? Okay, they'll look at their phone. They'll look when the next bus is supposed to be coming. They'll look up on the list. They'll start thinking about the things that they need to be doing. They're looking down the road. And so waiting is not something that people do passively. I don't see anybody at a bus stop saying, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to take a nap. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to fall asleep. Because everybody knows if you fall asleep, you'll miss the bus. Waiting is something that you do actively, anticipating the coming. And that's what God tells us to do, to hold fast, to return to Him, to hold fast to love and justice, and then continually wait for Him, continually look for His coming, continually look for when He's going to show up and He's going to intervene and He's going to act and He's going to demonstrate His presence. He's going to demonstrate His, His, His presence and love with us in that moment. And so we must do this wait continually for our God until God shows up. Keep looking for Him. Have our hearts ready so that when He does show up, we're ready to move with Him. We can listen to Him. We can obey. We wait continually for Him, knowing that He's with us, but also knowing that out of His presence with us, He wants to do even greater things. He wants to lead people to Jesus. He wants to use us to bring justice in the world, to show his love in the world. He wants to use us to right the wrongs around us. He wants to use us to be his presence in the midst of a city that is hurting, that is reeling, that is wondering what is going on. And tragedies like this can seem like God is distant. It can seem like God is angry. But the prophet Hosea reminds us that God is not acting out of his wrath. Oh, that day will come, but today's not the day. Hosea reminds us that God is present, even though we may not perceive him, even though we may ask questions like why, which can never be answered. The prophet Hosea reminds us that God is with us, that God is acting even when we don't see him and the presence of Jesus in our lives reminds us that what God has told us to do here to return to him to hold fast to love to hold fast to justice and to wait for our God is possible because the life of Jesus is in us through his death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit of Jesus fills us so that we can live boldly for him even in the midst of tragedy Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness that you lavish on us in your son, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we do pray for people all around us who are struggling, who are wondering in the aftermath of this most recent terror attack here in London. And we pray, Father, that you'd give us the ability to communicate your love, your justice, and your mercy, even in the midst of this time. We look forward to the day, Lord God, when we see you manifest in all your glory and many, many people are drawn to you. Until that day comes, we wait for you continually, longing for you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.